Alrighty, so uh, tonight we're going to explore a, uh, a topic, which is we move further along uh, in world history and we become more and more of a disposable society. So it's questions which become, uh, questions like this become more and more frequent. And it's overall, the overall topic is what uh, is the phrase which Chazal used called Aveda Midas. Aveda Midas, I think on the sheet, I went ahead and did intentional abandonment. I think is the way that I went ahead and I, uh, I translated it. And as we're going to see, so there's a fascinating discussion amongst the postkim as far as what's the status of something which all indicators would seem to point in the direction that the owner is not really so, uh, is not interested in being responsible for his stuff. We'll leave it there, we'll translate it like that though for now. And what's going to be the status of that? And we're going to really work in two stages because uh, we're going to get to the, to the second half. But in order to get to the, to the second half, so we need to go to the, uh, to the first half first. So the first question we're going to deal with is, let's say you're walking past, uh, you're taking a, a walk just to get some fresh air and some exercise. And you see that somebody has thrown away some electronic device. Whatever the electronic device is, it's irrelevant. And you happen to know that you're a little bit handy. Uh, you could do some soldering if, uh, if need be. And you decide, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to check out this device and see what's, uh, what's the story with it. And you bring it home and you open it up. And lo and behold, you see right away that there's one little wire which is, uh, which is not connected, which became uh, dislodged. And you go ahead and you, uh, you fix it. And now it's working perfectly fine. So do you have to be concerned that maybe there's a mitzvah of Hashavah Saveda? The person didn't realize, obviously the person throwing it away didn't realize that it could be so easily repaired. And maybe there's going to be a mitzvah of Hashavah Saveda to go ahead and return it to that, uh, to that person. Then the second thing, which is also, it's a very common thing. Uh, certainly it occurs in shuls and schools and camps and any place that the, the children are going to hang out is kids end up leaving stuff behind. It's inevitable. It's shocking at the end of the school year, uh, you know, how many classrooms full of stuff is left behind. It's not even like small stuff like papers uh, and pens and uh, pencil cases. We're talking about regular winter coats and regular boots and, you know, full wardrobes of stuff are just, uh, are just left, be left behind. Certainly those of you uh, the older you are, the more shocking it would be to you that people could abandon uh, stuff like that. But it's something which at this point in the 21st century is something which is very common. And the question is, what's going to be the status of that stuff as well? Are you responsible to try and return it to the owner, owner to track down the owner? Or is this principle, which we say, das, is that something which is going to be relevant? Okay, so let's see the sources inside. And see what we could uh, we could do here. So it shows up on the the screen by you. Okay, give out. So, so the first source you have over here is this is uh, we're actually going to begin with the uh, with the Rambam. We're not going to begin tonight with uh, with any of the Gemaras. We're going to begin with the uh, the Rambam. So the Rambam says, "Hamaabed mamono ladas." So if somebody goes that and intentionally, you could we we could say destroys. But over here, it's not so much that they're destroying. They're just, they, they don't care. So we'll call it abandonment. So a person intentionally abandons his thing. So you, the finder, you're not responsible for it. So what's an example of somebody intentionally abandoning something? So you go ahead and you put your cow into the barn. 
but there's no door on the on the barn. So if the cow decides to go ahead and take a stroll in the middle of the night, so there's nothing in the way of the cow stopping it from doing so. He didn't even bother to tie up the cow to prevent it from walking away. And it just went ahead and uh, you know decided it's, uh, it's free to go and it hit the bars for the night. Or or somebody goes out and throws his wallet in the middle of the street and walks away from the wallet. So and anything else which is similar, where a person is effectively uh, abandoning his, his stuff intentionally. So this is what we call, this fits into the category of Aveda Midas. That's the phrase over here. The person intentionally went ahead and abandoned his money. And here comes the critical thing that the Rambam tells us. Even though you, the finder, if you're walking down the street and you see that cow, you're not allowed to go ahead and say, hey, listen, Mel went ahead and left his cow uh, 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 not tied up in a barn with the door open. And if he doesn't care about his cow, I'm just going to take it for myself. I'll go ahead and I'll bring it into my barn. I got a door and I can go ahead and tie it up. So the Rambam says, even though I'm not allowed to take Mel's cow for myself, but Aveda Midas means I'm not obligated to go ahead and return it to Mel. So I could just see Mel's cow walking down the street, which I know he didn't bother to lock up. And I could just let it keep on walking. And if it's going all the way down Dempster, Yashar, Yashar, Adasof, and uh, you know, it'll stop when it gets to, to the Pacific Ocean. No, too bad, so sad for, uh, for Mel. He should have locked it up. He should have thought about it. Shinamar, in the basis of this idea that there's no mitzvah of Hashavah Saveda when a person intentionally abandons his stuff is, Shinamar Asher Tovad, that you know, the mitzvah of Hashavah Saveda applies when something becomes lost, Prat Lima'abed Lidaito, to the exclusion of somebody who goes out and intentionally abandons his object. If, if Mel doesn't care about his cow, I don't have to be more concerned about Mel's cow than Mel is. And therefore, I could just leave it wandering on the street, and I have no obligation whatsoever to go ahead and return. So that is what the Rambam says. Now, this is something, however, which is not universal. Not everybody agrees with the Rambam as far as this, that I'm not allowed to take it for myself. Um, now he says, in the tour, so in source tour number two, it says, because of Rambam, the Rambam says, even though the finder of Mel's cow doesn't have to return it to him, I'm sorry, even though the owner of Mel's cow, the, the, the finder of Mel's cow does not have to return it to him, but I'm not allowed to keep it for myself. So I don't have to take care of Mel's cow, but I'm not allowed to keep it for myself. The kachas of Haramah, this is what the Ramah, not the Ramah with an Aleph, which is on the page of Shulchan Aruch. This is Ramah with a Hey, uh, uh, which is one of the Rishonim. So this is the opinion of the Rambam in the Ramah, that when you find an object which somebody else intentionally abandoned, there's no mitzvah of Hashem Aveda, but you're not allowed to take it for yourself. But the Torah says, Ve'nirake. But the Torah says, I disagree. Da'aveda midas havi hefker. This is an amazing thing, he says, that when somebody goes out and intentionally abandons his thing, he is effectively making it ownerless. He's saying, I don't care. I don't care about my cow at all. If somebody wants to go ahead and take my cow, they could go ahead and they could do so. And you, as the previous owner, 
can come back later and say, hey, what are you doing with my cow? Because the answer is, listen, you didn't care about your cow. You let it wandering around without the, without the trying to restrain it at all. That means that it, you're not interested in your ownership of it. And once you demonstrate that you're not interested in your ownership of it, it's mine for the keeping. Well, so that is, uh, right. So that is uh, point number one. So we have a disagreement between the Rambam and we'll just say other Rishon where the tour, whether Aveda Midas, intentional abandonment, is that merely an exemption from the mitzvah of Hashavas Aveda? Or is it something a bit more profound than that? In that, it's going to represent a hefker, a declaration of ownerless, ownerless, ownerlessness of the object. And therefore, anybody who wants to go ahead and take it is going to be allowed to, uh, to take it. Can I ask a question? Yes, please. And there's a big difference between just a object and a cow. You know, one's a living being, and it says like you're you're not you're not you're not uh, obligated to take care of it. I mean, so that requires some taking care of. Just an object that you might find on the street doesn't require the same amount of care. I didn't hear the last part. An object that you find on the street would not require care necessarily. You know, like a cow, it needs to be fed, maybe, maybe needs to be milked. And it's like, there seems to be, you know, they seem to be talking about different types of objects here. Would that make any difference one way or another? Um, so it, it, within the laws of Hashem Aveda, it, 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 it doesn't create or exempt the obligation to do Hashem Aveda. But yes, there are indeed different halachas as far as that is concerned. Um, for example, um, in the event that rather than it being a cow which produces milk, and you may be able, you the finder may be able to sell the milk in order to purchase food for the cow. So the cow can sort of pay for itself. Let's say you have a dog or a cat, which don't really do much. Well, let's say a cat, dog could be, uh, maybe it does have some, uh, you could uh, hire it out. But a cat isn't really going to do much, uh, isn't going to do much in terms of working. And therefore, you as a finder may at, at some point in the not too distant future may be able to sell it and then just hold on to the cash rather than having to invest all this money to buy uh, cat food, which can end up costing the owner more money than the cat is actually worth when he has to reimburse you for the, uh, for the cat food. So there could be differences, but as far as Aveda Midas is concerned, so the Rambam met, mentioned two cases. One was the case of a Walt, and one was the case of the cow. And he equated the two of them together. Yeah, but I mean, it seems to me that uh, if you... If you if you if somebody throws their wallet in the middle of the street, you know that they don't care about it. If you if if their cow is wandering around, how do you know that they left it, you know, um, in a place where they knew it would get away? How, maybe they exercised care and something unusual happened or something. I mean, in, in, yeah, in, in, indeed, you would, you would only you would need to have uh, um, solid evidence. Uh, Mel walked into Shoal and he told me that uh, that's what he did. That he didn't bother that the barn door fell off, and uh, and he didn't have any place to go ahead and tie it up. But you're right. If you, if you stam see, I mean the Gemara talks about if you stam see a cow wandering around the street, you have to assume that it escaped from the owner, and there would be a mitzvah hashavas So this is something you'd have to either see or you'd have to have independent uh, awareness of the of that fact. Um, okay, now here. In source number three, elsewhere, the tour goes ahead and says that uh, he's quoting the Rambam, really, and it's a different, slightly different context, same overall uh, place. 
But he says, Umau Hefker. So what's the definition of Hefker? Shayomar Nechasai Elu Yu Hefker Lechol, that this object is ownerless, available for anybody whatsoever. Anybody who wants to take it can take it. And you can declare hefker, you can declare ownerless, whether movable objects or even real estate. You can abandon a house and then it becomes uh, available for anybody else to, uh, to go ahead and move in. So the Bach, which is really what we're trying to, uh, to get to over here, the Bach uh, says, I don't understand exactly what the Rambam is talking about. He says the Rambam's position that Avedami Das is going to be something where the owner intentionally abandons it, and all it is is an exemption from having to return it, but it's not Hefker that it would allow you to take it. He says that that's going to be difficult. He says for one reason is, and well, without reading all of it inside, the Bach says in Source 4, he says, uh, where... The Gemara said, where the Gemara is talking about the uh, the initial Mishnayis in Elu Mitzias, where we say if stuff becomes scattered in the street, that you're allowed to take it for yourself. And the Gemara spends a lot of time going back and forth, trying to pinpoint exactly what the circumstances are. And in the end, what the Gemara says is, and this is what the highlighted section here, it says, We're dealing with grain which was left behind by the threshing floor. So everybody had a farm. But not everybody had the capacity, had the machinery to go ahead and thresh or grind up their, uh, their, their wheat. So everybody would gather in the central location, and that's where the, uh, the grinding of the wheat kernels w- w- was done. And therefore, so if there is a kav of grain, let's just say a bushel of grain, which is scattered over an area of four amos, the nafish tirchayu, where it's a huge tircha to go ahead and pick up all of those kernels of grain, and it's not worth the effort. There's not a kav, is a, let's say it's a cup of, of, of grain spread out over four amos. It's not worth anybody's trouble to go ahead and start picking all that stuff up. It's the, the time that it takes to pick up all that stuff from the dirt is worth, uh, the time is worth more than the grain itself. So lo tarach inish, so if you, cut, if you walk by this threshing uh, store, and you see that somebody left that behind. There's a pile of grain, a kav and four amos. So you're allowed to keep it for yourself. Why? Because lo tarach inish, nobody is going to exert themselves. Velo hagar. And they're not going to come back and they're not going to bother to pick it up. It's just not worth the effort to come back. You see this on McCormick all the time, whether it's north of, uh, north of Oakton or south of Oakton, where you see that a little piece of drywall went flying off of somebody's truck or somebody's car or somebody something, and they just leave it there. It's not worth going back. The drywall isn't that expensive that they're going to go back and try and salvage pieces of the drywall which came off of their car. So when you see something like that, so then the, the, the Gemara says, you can be absolutely certain that the owner doesn't care about it. And and therefore, you can go ahead, loss of low hadar, nobody's going to come back and retrieve it. And afkuri mafkuluhu. And therefore, the person is going to go ahead and abandon it. So the bottom line, the Bach is saying is, how could the Rambam say that when there's a circumstance of Aveda Midas, you're not allowed to keep it for yourself? What the Gemara discusses just such cases where it's clear that somebody went ahead and abandoned it. They're not, they have no, there's no reason to think that they're going to come back and try and retrieve it. And in such a circumstance, you're allowed to take it for yourself. So how could the Rambam, the Rambam can't disagree with the Gemara, so the Bach says, how are we going to be able to explain the, uh, the Rambam's position? 
So he says that uh, that the Efsher, it's possible. The shiny Hasam, it's different over there. In the case of the Gemara, the Keva the Natal Achar Disha Esaikar. The farmer went ahead and he undoubtedly took bushels and bushels of his own grain after it had been threshed. Venosu Elu. And you have this small little cup which spilled out, or the, the surplus which fell on the floor, below Natslan, and he didn't bother to go back and pick it up to retrieve it. Gali daite dilochashivlan. So it becomes clear and evident to all of us that this is something which is not chashivtim, this is something that he doesn't care about. And therefore, skipping uh, half a line, the chashiv, and being that the circumstances tell us that the person doesn't care and he's not coming back. So his behavior is comparable to actually verbalizing, I am making this hefker. Because if he wasn't making it hefker, he'd go back, he'd put up a sign, he'd throw his coat over it to make sure that nobody goes out and takes it. He'd say that uh, somebody with COVID coughed on it, that will certainly keep everybody away, but he's going to do something to make sure that nobody went ahead and touched it. So if he really cared about it, he would do something of that sort. By not doing anything of this sort, that is comparable to verbalizing, I am making this hefker, I don't care. The machshavto, because his intention, nikeras mitoch maisav shefkira. That his behavior makes it clear and evident to everybody, it's a reasonable assumption for everybody to make, that this person was making this object hefker. When you leave behind the grain by the threshing floor, and that's where everybody's coming in and out, clearly you, uh, you, you made that hefker. Aval ba'alma, but in other circumstances, you don't know necessarily that it's not good, that the, the person intends to make it ownerless. Unless the person verbalizes and tells you, yes, I am making this hefker. So I, I'm not going to be able to tell you exactly where we're going to draw the line as far as this is concerned. But the Bach is saying that there's two different circumstances. You're going to have one circumstance where it's completely reasonable, according to every, almost everybody's account, any reasonable person's account, is going to be that the person doesn't care about this stuff and he's leaving it for Hefker. He's leaving it for anybody to go ahead and take. And then you have some things where the person is certainly being irresponsible with his stuff, but just because the person is being irresponsible with his stuff, that in and of itself doesn't mean necessarily that it's Hefker. I'll give you an example. If my kids are playing ball in the park, and they decide that, uh, you know, somebody comes out with some uh, snacks or some treats. So they all go running from the park to the house to go ahead and eat their treats, and they leave their stuff behind. So essentially, they left their stuff behind in a park where anybody could come by and anybody could take it. So they're certainly being irresponsible with their stuff. They intentionally left the stuff behind because they wanted to go ahead and have these popsicles. Does that mean that they made it into Hefker? Probably not. They probably plan on coming back and finishing the game at, at some point. They're just irresponsible. We'll get back to kids more later. But just because somebody's veering irresponsible with their stuff doesn't mean necessarily that they made it hefker. Uh, a, a more adult example might be somebody's in the airport and they decide that they want to get a coffee. So they leave their, uh, their, uh, their carry-on by where they're sitting and they run to go ahead and they get, the, they, they get a coffee and then they come back. So is it responsible to leave your stuff in the airport like that where somebody could easily walk by and take it? It's certainly not responsible. But would you say that when the person did that, that they're making their stuff hefker? No, you don't know that the person is making it hefker unless they actually tell you that it's hefker and anybody can take the carry-on. So then uh, that would be one thing. But to go ahead, just because they walk away from it a little bit and they're 
irresponsible with their stuff, irresponsible doesn't translate automatically into Hefker. Again, I can't tell you exactly, you know, in a case-by-case basis where we're going to draw the line, but that's the distinction that the Bach is suggesting on behalf of the Ramam. Sometimes it's going to be clearly evident to everybody that the person doesn't care about his stuff and he's making it Hefker. And other times that we're going to say that the person is, uh, uh, doesn't mean to make it Hefker, he's just stomping irresponsible. So certainly, the, certainly your original example where they left their electronics out on the curb, it's clear they're making it Hefker. I mean, Right, right. No. So that would seemingly put a point there, right there. We're, we're going to get to that. So that would seemingly uh, point in the direction of if you put something in the trash can where the garbage men are going to come along and take it. So that action of putting it in the trash, that would definitely seem to be demonstrative of the fact that you don't care about it anymore. It's not merely being irresponsible with your stuff. You're actually putting it into a place where it's going to be removed. And there's actually Gemaras about, uh, about that. I didn't quote it here on the, uh, on the sheet, but the Gemara talks about finding a keli, finding utensils. So sometimes, because they didn't have very big homes and they didn't have storage facilities to be able to hide valuable stuff. So sometimes a safe place to hide things is in a heap of garbage. Because who's going to go diving? Uh, you know, it's one thing to go, um, what do they call it? Um, um, Dumpster diving. Yeah, dumpster diving. So it's one thing to go dumpster diving in the 21st century, where most of the stuff is clean, most of the stuff is edible, and most of the stuff is uh, is usable. So that's one thing. But back in the day, so dumpster diving was it was it was it was like diving into a, an outhouse. So there's no way anybody's going to go diving in, a, in an outhouse on the off chance that maybe somebody went ahead and hid some valuable stuff in that, in that pile. It's just not worth the effort because 99 times out of 100, you're not going to find anything there. It's just going to be filthy and smelly, and it's just not worth the effort. So the Gemara talks about what happens if you happen to find something in such a garbage heap. Are you allowed to keep it for yourself? Do you have to assume that somebody put it there intentionally and they plan on returning or not? So one of the distinctions which the Gemara uh, makes, which is uh, relevant uh, art for the point which you raise, and that is, if this is a garbage heap, which is cleared out regularly, nobody's going to go ahead and hide their stuff in a garbage heap, which is cleared out regularly. Because if you know that they're going to come along and they're, they're, uh, they're going to, uh, it's, like, it's like hiding something as we get into November now. It's like hiding something in, in a pile of leaves by the curb. So for a moment or two, it may be an effective place to go ahead and, uh, and hide something, because who's going to go searching through those leaves? But on any particular day, they could come by with that fancy uh, broom that they have that they drive around that goes pushing all the leaves into a pile, and then they pick it up and they put it into a truck. So since that stuff could be removed at any given moment, nobody responsible is going to intentionally hide something there, and therefore you assume that it's really, a, it's really an Aveda. So yes, in, in a garbage can, in all likelihood, we would say that somebody is putting something there that is uh, the intention is to go ahead and to make it uh, to make it hefker to uh, for it's available for anybody for for taking. And we, we, everybody here knows that to be true. I assume everybody's done that at some point, that the day before garbage pickup, certainly throughout the uh, the summer. So if you have stuff, if you're cleaning out your garage or your shed or your basement or something, so you put the stuff out there and you hope that the metal guys are going to come by with their truck and they'll take all that stuff and they'll just remove it. So you know that putting anything metal 
uh, out on the curb before uh, the day before garbage pickup. So somebody's going to drive by, you'll go inside and you'll come back out. And all of a sudden the stuff will, uh, will, will be gone because they came, they took it and they, uh, they went away. So putting something in those uh, conditions would certainly seem to qualify as hefter. And we may very well say that everybody would agree, even the Rambam could agree in such a case, that the electronics you found literally in the garbage can, which you pulled out and you repaired, so you would have no obligation, whether you, you do not have to feel compelled at all to contact the owner and say, listen, I found this in your trash, I fixed it, it's working now, do you want it back? Let, let me do the Mitzvah Hashavah Zaveda. There is no Hashavah Zaveda in that case. Okay, that was hopefully the easy part of the... Uh, of this year. Now this, just so you should know, this is one of those interesting things in source five over here. So you actually have between the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah, they actually bring this down as a machlokas. So let's just read it inside. We say, So if somebody goes out and intentionally abandons his stuff, so you do not have to, you're not responsible for that at all. Ketzad, what does that mean? So if uh, Mel went ahead and left his cow in a barn that doesn't have a door, below Kishura, Kashra, and he didn't bother to tie up the cow to make sure that it doesn't escape, Vahalachlo, and the, the, the cow went wandering about, uh, wandering down Dempster. Listen to your police scanner. You hear them all talking about this cow walking uh, down Dempster. Or Hishach Kisto, Vahalachlo. Or you go ahead and you throw your wallet or you, you walk away from your carry-on in the airport. You go to the bathroom. So you leave the carry-on by the seat. of there, not even a coffee. But you leave your carry-on over there in the, in the airport, a busy airport. And you go into the bathroom and, uh, or you go to Davin uh, Shachris or something like that. And you walk away. You find a, a, a private area. You just leave it behind. So this is considered to be intentionally abandoning your stuff. So Shulchan Aruch follows the Rambam's opinion, even though when I find Mel's cow, or if I go ahead and I come upon Ralph's carry-on bag in the airport, I'm not allowed to take it for myself. I don't have to go ahead and text or call Ralph or Mel and say, I found your carry-on in the airport, or I found your cow walking around on Dempster, and you might want to come and pick it up. I'm not, I can keep on driving. I can just ignore it. Shinemar, as the Rambam said, it's based on the function which, which says, Asher Tovad, the Mitzvah of Hashem applies only to those things which are lost, to the exclusion of somebody who intentionally uh, disregards his stuff, in which case, so I don't have to be more responsible for Mel and Ralph's stuff than they are, and if they're not responsible with it, I don't have to go ahead and do the Mitzvah of Hashem V.A. Then the Ramah comes along and he says, yeah, some people say, then no, if somebody intentionally abandons his thing, he lets his cow wander around the street at night without supervision, or somebody goes ahead and Lee puts their wallet out and walks away and just leaves it there where there's a crowd of people who are walking by, that's called hefker. That's called making it into hefker. That's called odorless. And according to the Ramah, if I want to take Mel's cow, I, be, I have the right to do so. And if I want to go ahead and take Ralph's carry-on, I'd be able to go ahead and do that as well. So here it's interesting that you have, in, in other areas of Shulchan Aruch, where there's a disagreement between the Mechaber and the Ramah, so for the most part, you know what to do. If you're Ashkenazi, you're going to follow the Ramah. If you are Sephardi, you're going to go ahead and follow Shulchan Aruch. Here, when it comes to Chosha Mishpat, there's always this ongoing debate. How exactly does Mechaber Ramah work 
when we're dealing with mumminess. In other words, if I go ahead and I take the thing, can I say, or could, uh, could uh, Mel come along and say, how could you take my stuff? I didn't go ahead and make it Hefker. And I say, listen, the Ramah says that, uh, that, it's, uh, that, uh, that I'm allowed to take it, so I'm allowed to take it. And Mel says, but what do you mean? I passed it like the Rambam who says that it's mine. And therefore, I want to go ahead and I want to, uh, I think I should be able to keep it for myself. You're a Ghana for going ahead and taking my, uh, my stuff. So it's always, or let's say Benji was, uh, you know, uh, Benji went ahead and took it for himself. So I say to Benji, Benji, you came all the way from Israel and now you're going to go ahead and you're going to take my cow. You had to travel this far to steal a cow. And Benji says, listen, what, what, what is it any of your, of your business? Uh, I pass him like the Ramah. So can we say to Benji, how can you pass him like the Ramah? You pass him like the Mechaber throughout Shulchan Aruch. Why all of a sudden are you deciding a Chosha Mishma that you're going to go like the, like the Ramah? So that's an ongoing debate. A separate uh, topic in of itself. But here is an example of one of those cases where you have this interesting debate between the Mechaber, the Ramah, and can you claim, are you bound by party lines? Or can you go ahead and when it's to your advantage, Paskin like the opinion that you normally would not Paskin like? I, I have another question. When the Ramah says Yesh Omrim, does that make it clear that that's the way he holds? Um, usually that would be an indication that that's the way he holds. There's there, there, there's different ways of, of of how he may express it, uh, but yeah, this is uh, usually it's, sometimes it just has to do with how many people he's quoting. If he's quoting only one person, sometimes he uses more cautious language like Yesh Omrim, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't hold that way. He's just using more cautious language. All right. Okay. Now, let's get to what happens with the uh, with the kids. So here in source six, so you have a very famous uh, Mishnah and Gemara over there in Baba Basra. Um, I think in Jack and the Beanstalk, we actually talk about this, uh, the, this, uh, this source. So Mishnah says as follows. So you go ahead and you're busy. It's a busy air of Shabbos, especially with Shabbos uh, starting earlier. So it's busy. So you send your kid to the store. You send him to the local Makolet. And and you give him a dollar to go ahead and buy a flask of oil. So the kid walks in, the 10-year-old walks into the store and says, Mr. Myers, can I go ahead and get some oil with this? uh, I want uh, half a dollar's worth of oil. So Mr. Myers says, my pleasure. So Mr. Myers goes ahead and pours him half a cup of oil and gives him a 50-cent piece and send the kid back home. So the kid walks out of the store. So he's walking out of uh, the, uh, he walks out of the store and uh, with a glass jar with half a cup of oil, half a dollar in his other hand, and he's just skipping his merry way home. And what happens? Because if, if this didn't happen, it wouldn't make it into a Mishnah. Shavar Satsuchis. So he went ahead on his way home. He broke the glass jar that has the oil. And he went ahead and he lost the money. So by the time he gets home, he's got nothing. No money, no oil, no nothing. So what's going to be the halacha? Amazingly, the Mishnah says, So Mr. Myers is responsible for the oil as well as the missing half dollar. It's not the kid who's responsible. The kid will probably get the, uh, you know, slapped anyways. But back in the day, by the time of the Gemara. But uh, the Chenveni ultimately 
the father of the child could go ahead and say, Mr. Myers, you had no right to go ahead and give my child a 50 cent piece. And you, and it was crazy for you to think that you could send, you could responsibly send a delivery of oil in a glass jar with my irresponsible 10 year old. Because there's always Tupperware. There's always Tupperware, indeed. Now, um, we don't even need to see the uh, Rebuta. Rebuta exempts the uh, the storekeeper, but let's just go with the Rabbanan's opinion. So the Gemara now says, Bishlama Be'isavishemen. Actually, we'll do it. So Rebuta Poter, Rebuta back in the Mishra. Rebuta, however, says that Mr. Meyer is going to be exempt. Why? Shamanaskein Shalcho. Because Mr. Myers has the right to assume that when I sent my kid to his store to pick up some oil and to get to, and to bring home the change, I was not holding him responsible for the stuff that he gives my kid. It was, I'm taking responsibility for it. I want you to give it to my kid. If my kid messes up, that's my loss. It's not his loss. So Yud and the Rabbanan have this disagreement as far as uh, who ultimately is responsible for the stuff. So the Gemara now says, Bishlama be'iser v'shemen. So as far as the oil, the, the coin, the 50 cent piece, the change, which Mr. Myers gave to the kids, and the oil, which is now missing, the 50 cents worth of oil, which is gone, Bahapligi. So what's the disagreement between the Rabbanan and Reb Yudin, our Mishnah? So the Rabbanan, Safi, the Rabbanan say, what did I mean to communicate to Mr. Myers when I sent my kid with a dollar in a glass flask? The Rabbanan, Safi, the Rabbanan say, Le, shadre. All I meant to say was, this is before you could go online and you could order these things with delivery online. So back in the day, the way that you would inform somebody of the fact that you have something that you want a delivery of some oil is you send a kid. So the kid walks in with an empty flask and the kid walks in with a dollar, hands it to Mr. Myers. Mr. Myers is now supposed to understand, according to their bottom, that the shaffles want half a cup of oil and they want change. And I'm going to send one of my responsible employees with the oil and the change back to the shaffles. Not to give it back to the kid. The kid is only there to, to place the order, not to go ahead and deliver it back. So that's what they're abundant hold. Reb Yehuda says, Reb Yehuda disagrees and says, no, le shadre. And Reb Yehuda says, no, when the shaffles go ahead and send their kid, their, uh, their 10-year-old, to go ahead and with a flask, an empty flask and a dollar to get some oil, their intention is, is that Mr. Myers is going to give the child half a cup of oil, is going to give the child a 50 cent piece, and the child is going to come back and he's going to deliver the stuff himself. So that's the debate between them as far as that. But Ella, but Shabbat Sluchis, but when the kid ends up breaking the glass, Avedemidasi, who in their right mind goes ahead and gives a glass utensil to a child. It expects that the child is going to return with that glass piece, that, that glass intact, not being broken. So that we clearly say is Aveda Midas, and something which is going to be uh, which is going to be lost. And it's going to fit into that category because that was an absurd notion on my part from the very outset, because I I sent the glass with my child in the first place. So as an Aveda Midas, so the Gemara says that that's considered to be Aveda Midas. You give something to a child, that falls into the category of Aveda Midas. Good? Okay. So now, where this gets very interesting is, what exactly does the Gemara mean when it says Aveda Midas for a child? Because remember, we just said that there's a machlokas between the Rambam and the Tur, 
which is recorded in Shulchan Aruch between the Mechaber and the Ramah, whether or not Aveda Midas is Hefter. So now, let's assume if we're all uh, Ashkenazim on the, uh, the Shir over here, so we're going to pass like the Ramah, who says that something which is Aveda Midas, something which is intentionally abandoned, is effectively made Hefker. So that means that as my kid is running to Mr. Meyer's store with that glass flask, if uh, Ellen sees and says, hey, I need, I've need. i been looking for one of those glass flasks for a long time. I haven't been able to follow it anywhere. The child is running with that glass flask. It's Aveda Midas. I paskin like the Ramah, it's Hefker. And just go ahead and slug the kid in the head and grab the gla- <laughs> catch the glass flask before it falls. And now it's, uh, it's Ellen's for the taking. So is anybody actually going to say that Aveda Midas would actually mean that in this regard, in this context, all of a sudden, the Rambam seems much more reasonable that it doesn't mean, Aveda Midas doesn't mean that anybody could take it from the child. It just means that, listen, if the child come, uh, uh, reports back that he broke the glass, nope, too bad, so sad. That's the ultimate too bad, so sad. It's too bad, so sad on you because you were an idiot to think that your child was going to be able to take care of that responsibly. But would anybody actually say that Ellen could go ahead and, uh, and just drive by and take it from the kid? That would seemingly be absurd. But if we take the Ramaz position somewhat literally, so then that would seem to be the outcome. So what is the story with that? So he says, um, so for this, we're going to look in the Nesivas. And the Nesivas says that there's going to be a different, sort of a different type of translation, which we're going to use when we talk about property, which is in the possession of the child, in the use of that term, Aveda Midas, when we give it to a child. And this is going to be somewhat consistent with what the Bach told us before in terms of that each situation sort of has to be analyzed based on its own merit and to figure out what was a person thinking when they created this situation in the first place. So the Nesiva says, this is in the Simon Reish Samachalif, um, I think it's the first Nesiva. He says, Aval katan So now the child does not own the glass flask. It's not his. It's mine. It's not his. So he can't be Miyai. She ultimately cannot despair from recovering his thing. It's not his to be able to despair. On top of which, she doesn't have Das. Daha, I should actually make this bigger. I'm sorry. Now even I can see it. Daha, Afilu Mamun Shalkatan, Yeshbo Shalom. So as we just said, for Ellen to go ahead and punch a kid in the head, and say, hey, that's a nice looking bike over there. If your parents gave it to you, that's Aveda Midas, and I'm going to go ahead and take it for myself. You're not allowed to steal from a child. It's only Durabanan, by the way. It's not a Duraisa, but it's a Durabanan. You're not allowed to go ahead and do so because Mipnei Darke Shalom. I should qualify that. It's only if the kid earned the bike or paid for the bike out of his own money. Somebody gifted it to the child. It may actually belong to the parents. That's a whole separate sheer in and of itself. But let's assume that the child owns this thing halachically. So to go ahead and take it from the child is gazela on a drabanadika level, not a daraisadika level. And certainly when my child is holding my flask, Ellen can't come along and slug him and take the glass from him. That's geneva from me. The He says when a child is holding something, it's guarded somewhat. Giving a child a glass flask is not the same thing as putting it into the middle of Dempster and expecting that it's going to survive. That clearly is a, an act of Hefker when you go ahead and you put it out there where it's going to be run over. Your child, as a parent, you hope that they'll come back with their stuff at the end of the day. You don't know, but there is the hope that they'll come back. You'll be happy if they come back with their, with their stuff. 
Ki hakatan chashiv ketzas shomer. A child is considered to be somewhat of a custodian, somewhat in the sense that you don't really expect full responsibility on the part of the child, because after all, it's a child, so they don't, they're, they're, they're not capable of being uh, fully responsible for it, but you do hope that their knapsack they'll come home with, and you do hope that in most cases they'll come home with their winter coat, or they'll come home with their, uh, their boots or their gloves, probably not, but you do hope that they'll come home with their, their shoes, because if they don't come home with their shoes, how'd they get home without, uh, without shoes? So certain things you, you hope that they're going to come back, and you're certainly not making it uh, hefker, and skipping uh, to the end of the line, he says, Most people go ahead and give things to a child who seems to be of reasonable intelligence and responsible, uh, responsible, uh, uh, capable of being responsible. And we give things like t- things to children all the time. And right, the, 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 using one of the examples, you send your kid to overnight camp. So uh, you're hoping that they come back with 50% of their stuff. Uh, if they come back with 60% of their stuff, 75% of their stuff, so you might as well go ahead and throw a party. But you expect that some of the stuff is going to come back. So being that you want the stuff to come back, if it doesn't, you can't be upset at anybody other than yourself, because what were you expecting? But So it's clear that you, the parent, are not being miyayish. You are not abandoning hope or despairing from ever getting that stuff. You do want the stuff to come back. You're just not going to be shocked in the event that it does not come back. The rock. So why do we call it Aveda Midas if you as the parent ultimately want it to be returned? The rock, the karile Aveda Midas, the only thing, the reason why we call it Aveda Midas is because if the child does leave it behind somewhere, so then you don't have to go ahead and do Hashavas Aveda. So only vis-a-vis that halacha, that you're exempt from the mitzvah of Hashavas Aveda by something which is given over to a child, that's what we mean by Aveda Bidas, but not that you are being mafkirit, and not that you could go ahead and you could take it for yourself, none of those, those things. The fact that it's not fully protected and fully guarded, that's what puts it into the category of Aveda Midas, of intentional abandonment, but it's not going to be to such a degree that we would say that you could go ahead and you could keep it for yourself. So that's going to be the, uh, the important halacha about, uh, about these things, that if you find a child's item in a shul or in a school or in a camp or in any of those things, so there's not really a mitzvah of Hashavah Saveda, because the parents knew from the outset that when they sent the stuff with the, this is little kids, by the way, less than bar bas mitzvah, that if you sent the stuff to with them in camp, so it meets the criteria of Aveda Midas that you're not going to go have to go ahead and do the mitzvah of Hashavah Saveda. But uh, at the same time, it doesn't mean that when you get to camp, if you're, that, uh, if you're in the group together with that child, that you can start fishing around in other people's uh, trunk and other people's uh, drawers and uh, cabinets and start taking their stuff and say, listen, everything is Aveda Midas. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take that MP3 player and I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take that Game Boy and whatever it else that somebody else has so that you're certainly not going to be allowed to take, even though it's going to be in this category of Aveda Midas. So this is as far as that. So let me go back. Um, where did you go? Um, check. Uh, yeah, so uh, uh, Steve Goldfarb had asked, I'm sorry, I can't catch that in the middle of the, the shear. He said, if you see a wall in the street, 
now do you know if it was lost or thrown away? Or do you have to see him abandon it so that there is no doubt? Um, probably you have to see that it was a, that it was a, uh, well, I, I shouldn't, actually I shouldn't say that. When it comes to money, money specifically, money or something else which people are constantly change, uh, checking for. So the Gemara actually says that if it's, uh, if you find it in the street, so the owner is already aware of the fact that he lost the money because people are always checking their pockets for their uh, for their money, their wallet. I think nowadays the equivalent of that would really be your cell phone. So people are always, you know, uh, phantom cell phone, uh, you know, vibrating or whatever. So people are always checking their uh, their, their cell phone. And you could assume that the uh, the owner has already abandoned hope of retrieving it because otherwise he would have come back to uh, to get it. So by money specifically, you may very well be able to assume that even if the person, that even though it's theoretically possible, the person does not know, in all likelihood, the person is aware of the fact that it's already gone missing and he's, uh, he's abandoned hope of, uh, of retrieving it, being that you found it in Rosh Hashanah. Remember, just a, a reminder, as far as how Hashem Aveda works, is that the, 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 all of the halachas that we have regarding Hashem Aveda are all what... Uh, uh, what the finder has the right to assume. Because you never actually know what happened to the object. We don't know who lost it, when they lost it, how they lost it, any of those things. Uh, halacha tells us that what assumptions you have the right to make as the, uh, as the finder. So finding something in Rosh Hashanah, like that, while money in Rosh Hashanah, it's generally assumed that the owner is already aware and the owner has already said, I'm such a yutz, I can't believe I lost my wallet uh, you know, in some public area, I'm never going to get it back. And then there would be no myths of uh, you could keep it for yourself in that in that case. Mel, is your finger up? Unmute. I yeah. find I, I find a child's coat in the street. That child's coat belongs to the parent, so it's not abandoned, right? Well, when they gave it to their child, so that's the Aveda Midas. What did you think your child was going to do with that coat? You think kids actually wear coats when they get to school? It doesn't belong to the kid, though. That's true, but the parent who is the owner, that's why the it, the, it, the Midas is not be based on what the kid did. The Aveda Midas is the fact that the parent gave it to the child who's irresponsible or not fully responsible. So the Aveda Midas is really stemming from the parent who is the true owner rather than the child. So if the child loses it, you're saying the parent has already given up hope of seeing it again. Right, correct, exactly. Okay, Yuvalik. Why, why do we do why do we do uh, lost and founds then, like in schools? Why do we bother? Um, so we we really don't have to. I think they uh, uh, they uh, I don't know. They may, by, by you do you have to sign something at the beginning of the year saying that everything? No, but I'll tell you. I get uh, every week. I get a list from camp saying you know with pictures of everything they've left. You know, all the water bottles and. You know, you know, I would destroy one of my kids if they left something there. But yeah. I mean, I don't understand like some of this stuff. But I mean, it's clear that there. I mean, our show also has a lost and found that they make an effort to return it. But yeah, it, you, you can always go lifnim mishuras adin. But uh, but in terms of uh, in terms of a chiyuv, so there's uh, it could be from any of these things, even for adults. There may not be for for different reasons. Maybe we'll get to it at a different year at a different time. When it comes to the kids' stuff like this, so uh, so yeah, it's uh, you know if anybody was asking me, uh, definitely they would uh, just remind the parents at the beginning that anything which is left behind, we're just going to trash. We're not uh, we're not even going to make an effort to take pictures and to try and contact you and to run after you. It's uh, 
It's Chaval al Azman. Got it. Thank you. All right. All the best. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Thank you.